Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Fat Man Little Trail, the podcast, the podcast where everyone is invited on this journey. I, of course, am your host, Greg, the Fat Man, uh, founder of FatManLittleTrail.com. If you're looking for product reviews, trail reviews, restaurant reviews, and any other kind of reviews uh, out there for the outdoors, give uh, Fat Man Little Trail a chance. Um, I want to thank everybody who's been supporting me over the last uh, few months. I know I took a a little bit of time off after surgery and really appreciate everybody still supporting me and supporting the podcast. If you do enjoy the podcast, make sure you go ahead and like and share it on whatever platform you're on. We are on about 20 of them now, and it's hard to keep track anymore. Uh, And if you want to help out and maybe get me a little bit of theme music, you can always make a financial donation. There's a link in my bio for that. I want to get right into the Chewing the Fat segment today because we're coming up on summer, and it's a time when a lot of the, the kids out there are thinking about their summer camps and where they're going to be going. But not every kid can afford to go to summer camp. And my guest today is Alyssa Street uh, from the organization A Thousand Summers, uh, and they're trying to make it easier for those in need to attend these camps. Alyssa, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks so much for having me, Greg. I appreciate you being here. Now, give me a little bit, just a brief outline of what you're doing with A Thousand Summers. So our mission is to change kids' lives through transformative summer camp experiences So basically, our mission is and our organization's goal is to raise as much money as possible to send as many financially underserved kiddos from the age of 10 to 17 to some of our four week extended stay wilderness adventure camps every summer. Nice. And why do you think that getting that exposure to the outdoors is so important for kids in that 10 to 17 year uh, age range? You know, that's a great question. And uh, Great Outdoors Colorado is an organization run by the state here in Colorado did a statistic where kids these days are only spending about four to seven minutes of unstructured time outside these days, which is a staggering statistic. So this is outside of your soccer games, your baseball games. This is when I grew up. My mom said, get out the house for for two hours and come back before it's dark, you know. They're not doing that any longer. And it's it's been impacting the kids. And further research shows that the more kids spend outside, the more they're creative, they're less stressed out, they're less aggressive, and they're performing better academically than those kids who just sit inside on their tech, whatever device that they may be on. And you know, science has proven kids grow better outside. I, I definitely know that feeling because for me, it was when the streetlights came on, we had to come home. Um, but it was always outside. When we, I think we had Nintendo just come out when I was growing up. So we didn't have all the games and we definitely didn't have phones, you know, growing up. So we had to go outside and play and play kick the can or ghost in the graveyard or some of those fun little games. And the nice thing is you got to meet all the neighborhood kids and you weren't just tucked into a basement the whole time. So exactly right. Yep. So what type, what type of outdoor skills uh, are you trying to teach the, the kids at the, at the camps? Or is it just more of just getting them outdoors in general? It's getting them outside more in general. And, you know, the camps that we send them to, they take their cell phones away. So they are without technology for four weeks. I don't know if you can or if I can even do that (laughs) these days anymore. But actually, it's quite the relief for these kids to, you know, they're learning so much. They're learning social skills. Like a lot of the kids, when we, we help them get to camp, they might not meet your eyes. They might not be shaking hands. But when they come back, they learn those social skills. And um 
there's there's other skills that they learn as well. And the American Camp Association is the national association that accredits all of these camps that we partner with. And they did a survey on what does camp actually provide? And what they have found is that camp, these four-week programs provide and foster youth development characteristics such as leadership, confidence, uh, improving their friendship skills, they're more adventurous, you know, they're, they're doing things that they might not normally try. And these are things that aren't found in mainstream society these days. And camp is, is frankly the, the safest place to fail. So say you have a kid, never been on a trail, you tell them to hike that 14er. The child might not make, make it to the top, might not summit that mountain. But I can guarantee you by the end of the summer, he or she has done that. And that just builds up their confidence. They know they can meet that challenge. They can succeed. They work together as a team, as a group to get there. And, you know, they take that home with them and it really helps them learn and grow. I feel like just taking the phones away is already improving interpersonal skills because, you know, nowadays kids will text each other across the dinner table. And not that I'm, like you said, I'm not much better as we sit here and talk on Zoom over this podcast <laughs> and using technology. But one of my favorite things is when I get far enough out on a trail where I look down at my phone and it says no service. That's why I think the outdoors is is enjoyable because you get to that no service uh, point uh, on the on the trail. Um, these camps sound great and what you're doing sounds great, but camps can also get really expensive. What is kind of like the average cost of what some of these outdoor camps are costing? I mean, you said it was a four week camp. So, I mean, that's got to be really expensive. You know, if you would just go, if you had a child and you went out to sign, sign up your child for a four week wilderness adventure camp stay, um, it would cost you around $7,000 for just the tuition. Um, I say with our organization, we, because of the generosity of the camps that we work with, the individuals and foundations that help support our cause, uh, we're able to provide a full scholarship. We call them camperships to the kids that we serve for about $5,000. They don't, you know, full campership, they're not paying um, that amount. They're getting travel included with that. So if they're coming to Colorado from Kansas, we're paying for that flight. Um, as you know, uh, the kids that we serve are economically underserved financially. So the equipment fund helps pay for the hiking boots that they don't have lying around, the negative degree sleeping bag. We provide them with the equipment that they need to succeed while at camp. Um, and that 5000 also provides a, a tiny bit of money for a camp bank account so that when they go to the camp store with their camp friends to buy a candy bar, they're not sticking out as someone who can't afford something like that. So that's the whole package. And we offer full and partial camperships to the kids that we serve. And, and one thing that you, you mentioned there that, that we didn't talk about yet, we, we've talked about it in other ways, but we didn't talk about it directly, is that you are helping the, the underprivileged kids yeah. and the kids that aren't, aren't able to, to afford this. It's not just a program that you can qualify for or something like a college scholarship. It's something where it's, it's for the people who really need it the most, right? Correct. Um, there's a sliding scale financially. The majority of our kids are on free and reduced lunch. They're single parent families for the most part. Um, so it's all on financial need. And that's, and that's great because those are the ones you know, the children that are, that, you know, have no chance of going to this camp at all. So, and 
seven thousand dollars is nothing to to sneeze at and like you said that's just tuition that doesn't cost or take into account the cost of a plane ticket or driving to somewhere and getting your clothes and that was something that i want to talk about a little bit more is you talked about having hiking boots having sleeping bags having having gear um is that something that people can can help out with by donating um gear and things like that you know, it's hard because our kids come from 21 different states across the country. So getting that gear to them is tough. Uh, so we we ask people to contribute dollars to our equipment fund to help pay, pay for that equipment. Um, that way, what the kids do is we give them a list. And each camp that we work with is different. So if you're in a water-based camp, you might have a different equipment need. Um, so we provide those kids with a list and are able to provide them with the funds and get those ordered into those kids specifically with sizes and whatnot. We're talking kids to 10 to 17. So we would encourage anyone who's willing to help support that to go to our website, a thousand summers.org, click on the donate. Now is a red button there and you can choose the equipment fund. I think it's 250, um, per child for, for equipment. It's 500 for travel, 250 uh, for the equipment fund and 100 for the bank account. So okay. anyone who's interested in doing that can can give at that level. Just put a little note that you really want to help support a child with the equipment. Oh, that's great that, that you have kind of the option to help out with equipment or travel or, or giving them that extra extra money. Yeah, absolutely. That is great. Um, is is the thousand summers like? Is this a one and done thing for the kids? Can they just get a, a one year program, or is it is it longer than that? It's longer than that. We we don't want to do the one and done if we don't have to because the impact of camp, and we believe, of course, we believe in the power of camp. Um, every summer that they potentially, you know, financially qualify until they age out because they go, they try new things. We start at 10 years old. So they're doing little things, right? By the time they get to 17, they're accomplishing so many amazing things and participating in a lot of the leadership opportunities, uh, counselor and training programs, things that further those type of opportunities for them. So we really feel um, as long as they financially qualify 10 to 17, they could go seven, eight years uh, if they want to go and financially qualify. Oh, that's great. It, how does uh, somebody qualify for the assistance of a thousand summers? So if there's a child who's interested, a thousand summers.org, and it's all spelled out, not the number, um, go to kind of this information about our program, frequently asked questions, and it also provides you know, the financial um, qualifications there um, that that parents can take a look at. And um, it's a it's a pretty intense application process. We want to make sure that, you know, the family and the child is prepared to uh, leave for four weeks and, and be gone and maybe not available by by cell phone, which is, is kind of tough. So and there is some homesickness that first couple of weeks and. Part of the, the best part about camp is getting over that, you know, and preparing. I mean, some people, when they go to college, they have never been away from home, but these kids have been doing it and it's very beneficial and it gives the parents a break, you know, <laughs> for a few weeks. Absolutely. Um, is there, is there like a qualification for the kids? Like before the kids start to go to the camp, do they have education that they go through, like to make sure they know you know, dangers of the outdoors or, or if they're going to like a water camp, like, you know, safe, um, swimming safety and things like that. 
So each camp is completely different. Um, we have an in-depth program where, you know, you're told, okay, you need hiking boots that are like this. You can't just go to Walmart and get boots, right? They're, they're prepared and our all new campers are matched with another camper family who's been through it before. And that's, it's a great kind of mentor for the camper families. And we try to match them up according to camp that they're going to, to kind of prepare them language-based. So if we have a, a Spanish speaking family, we'll match a new camper family that's also Spanish speaking to prepare them for camp. In terms for the water camps, you, in, before you get on the water, you have to pass their swimming certification. So you have to do, each camp has their own basic safety and certifications before they can do certain activities. So a child who cannot swim will not be allowed, you know, canoeing or sailing or activities until they pass the, the swimming test. And, and that's a great thing that you talked about is that mentorship. I was, you know, that was kind of my question was how do the parents and how do the kids get prepared for a trip, like you said, some of them have never left the house before, um, and this is probably all new to them. So having that mentorship sounds like a great idea. Yeah, no, and we're also getting our alumni, this is a new thing, it's not quite live yet, but we're getting our alumni campers to post videos and we'll post them online. Like, this is the water bottle you want, don't get this other water bottle, you want this one. Or These are the socks you want, you want wool socks, you don't want like cotton socks because when you go on a 10 mile hike, your feet are gonna hurt. Like, it, and sometimes when we tell kids stuff, it, you know, goes one ear out the other, but if you have a camper who's close to their age, in a video telling them the exact same thing, it kind of resonates. So we're taking steps to try to get, you know, you're right. These kids have never been in the outdoors and we're trying to prepare them. We want them to succeed when, when they're at camp. We do not want them to fail. Well, and that's just a continuation of what they're going to learn at the camp where they're going to have build these personal relationships. So seeing somebody their own age or maybe a year older, or a couple of years older as kind of mentoring of the child, as well as mentoring of the families is a really nice way to do that. Yep. So where are the camps located? Is this all in like the camps are all in Colorado or are the camps spread out around the country? They're spread out across the country. We have nine accredited camps. Like I mentioned, the American Camping Association, they accredit all the camps that we work with. So we know all those safety procedures are in place, that they're excellent camps. They're all four week uh, programs, no two week or three week programs. Uh, we have three here in Colorado. They're also in Maine, Wisconsin, uh, Minnesota, and Washington. Our, our newest camp that we brought online is in the San Juan Islands. Um, new this summer in, in Washington. So that's pretty exciting. That's, that sounds great. I'll go to that camp for you. Test <laughs> it out for you. Um, so as a, as a, um, as a child and, and as a parent, do I get to pick which camp I go to, or is it by, based on location or need or, or how does that work out? Yes. Uh, so <laughs> part of the application process, yes, the child all of those things are taken into consideration. Um, the first step, you know, on our website, shameless plug, a thousand summers.org again, um, we go, when you look at our, our campership program, there is, you know, learn more about our camps and all of our camps are listed there, the locations and videos and like what, what camp called, all of our camps are completely unique, offer completely different opportunities and, and experiences. So we want the child and the family to, pick something that fits best for them. 
we do have them pick the the top three uh, choices. So they have their number one, two, and three. Um, because we have a, about a 75%, depends on the year, return rate. So the new campers is only certain spots and we only have certain spots at certain camps. So um, we try to reflect the number one choice for all of our campers, but it might change a little bit. And sure. we really do try to get the child to camp if we're flying a, a unaccompanied minor, we don't want them to have connections or any of that kind of thing. We want them to be, you know, their parents want to, to drop them off and the camp picks them up. So we try not to have any kind of connecting issues. So that might, to your point, the travel might play into that a little bit because you can't have multiple connections for an unaccompanied minor, you know. Can the, can the parents accompany um their kids or would that not be included in the, in the scholarship? It would not be campership campership scholarship. Yep. Um, would not be the parents travel expenses is not covered. Um, but you know, a lot of the kids, whether they're a campership application, you know, person or regular family at these time of in the summertime, there's all these kids flying all over the country. Um, and they all tend to be on similar flights. So odds are, that the kids say are flying from Texas, there'll be a ton of minors from families paying full price to whatever, because the airlines are great, just load them on. And then the camp counselors pick them up right at the gate, you know, wearing their handkerchiefs and their hats and their name tags. So there's no confusion. And that's great. And I think that probably helps alleviate some of that concern of the parents, especially as we've talked about, you know, somebody who hasn't left the house or hasn't, um, you know, not left the house, but, you know, doesn't travel very often to put their kid on a plane for the first time could be very scary. But to know that you guys have it all set up where the counselors are ready to pick them up is a really important step there, right? Yeah, absolutely. And that's why we, we partner with the best camps that are out there because they have that all in place. You know, it's, they've been doing it, uh, Chile, Colorado camps and Estes have been doing it for over a hundred years. So they've, they've got it down to a science. I bet. Um, I, I want to go back a little bit too. You said that you have a 75% um, retention rate of people that come back the next year. Do they always go back to the same camp or can, do, do they, can they choose different camps? Most of them stay at the same camp. And the reason why is because we want them to have that friendship base and the same kids over and over. And they really build those lifelong, you know, friendships. Um, it's, it's, it's really crazy um, how long I, I've been meeting camp alumni. Uh, there's one gentleman who's 80 who still talks to his two camp buddies. And he tells me every time I chat with him about his camp buddies. So we're talking those kind of lifelong friendships that we want to encourage. Um, And, you know, they have a program when they get, you know, a graduated program of challenges and leadership and all that. So you kind of want to keep them at the same camp. Of course, if they do have problems or issues or something happens and they can't return, um, we try to fit we try to fit them with another camp for sure. Sure. We talked earlier about the the downfalls of technology. I think this is kind of one of those, the good sides of technology where when we were growing up, 
and I, I don't want to age anybody here, but when we were growing up, you know, like you went, you met somebody on vacation or you met somebody at camp and then maybe you could write them a letter if you got their address. If not, you wouldn't see them for a year. You might forget about them. But now these kids meet these people that, like you said, are going to become lifelong friends and then they can go back and become Facebook friends or Instagram friends and they can, and they can continue to connect and have that connection. And they can almost become, you know, self-mentoring each other throughout, you know, just day-to-day life after they leave the camp, right? Yeah, they, they really do. And there's been a lot of mental health, um, positive things. You know, they'll go to high school or they'll go to school in their hometown and be bullied or whatever. And they'll reach out to their, you know, camp friends and who will help them through things. They might not be there, but they're there through technology, through TikTok or whatever they're, you know, <clears throat> Snapchat, everything that they're using. Um, we've, we've heard so many things where, our, our kids will do a survey and just say, you know, it's been, I know I'm, my camp friends are there always for me, no matter how hard things are in my, in, at home, basically, I know mm-hmm. next summer I'm going to see them and I can always chat with them and they get me through the hard times. So. And that's amazing, especially because the, the people like the camps you're sending them to, it's not just people who've qualified for, you know, a thousand summers campership, right? It's, it's people that, you know, just people who've paid to go there as well. So you get a good mix of people who are, who are, you know, in different um, economic, you know, uh, states of their life at that point. So these kids get to come together and just meet everybody in, in a, in a, in a level playing field, right? Yep. It's quite, camp is an equalizer, you know, mm-hmm. y'all have to climb that same 14er. It doesn't matter what car your dad drives at home. You still have to work together to meet whatever goal and adventure you happen to be on that day, you know? So um, yeah, it's, it's pretty interesting. And people learn that maybe the rich kids aren't as bad as they seem, right. Or the poor, poor kids aren't as, you know, you know, how people get categorized at home, which maybe they shouldn't be, you know? Well, and everyone has the same struggles. If you're trying to make fire with two sticks, it doesn't matter how much money is in your bank account. It doesn't matter, you know, like you said, if you have expensive shirt on or or a non-expensive shirt on, it's still the same struggle. Climbing a mountain is the same struggle, no matter who you are. Um, So it's nice for people to be able to, especially younger people to be able to come together and see those, um, challenges and and then be able to work together at solutions and and i just love this idea of the kids leaving the camp and becoming lifelong friends um and and being able to connect and this is what i missed out on you so i'm reliving my youth now of you know meeting people and and just losing kind of touch because there was no social media back then so you take a camp that has absolutely no you know technology involved in it at all and then it can it can turn these into lifelong friends um exactly that's yep. great. Um, is there anything that I'm missing about the camps? I want to get into talking about um, how you can help in just a second, but is there anything I'm missing overall about the camps that you wanted to pass on? You know, I just am so grateful to have such wonderful camps that focus on those youth development characteristics and really offering the kids the chance to thrive and and grow and all of them offer leadership opportunities so if these kids are interested they can be like i said 
counselors in training and then they can take a year off and then come back as counselors themselves. We have a lot of kids who decide to do that. And, you know, the older campers are encouraged to be good role models for the younger campers. And it's, it's like a family. So um, no matter what camp you go to, you have that extra support system, I guess. And we're just lucky to have such fabulous camps to partner with. That is great. Give me, okay, let's give a shout out. What, what's one of the camps that you love? Or you can give me all of them. <laughs> well, you know, the new one, Camp Norwester in Washington, check them out. Um, Camp Norwester, they were, were very excited. They have a Chile camp connection. Um, one of the old counselors from Chile, Colorado camps in Estes Park is now a camp director up there. So we have a lot of the same values and things that kids, code of living that kids are living by that are very similar, for example. Um, Colorado Estes Park, Durango, um, outside of Colorado Springs. Um, you know, we've got some all boys camps, um, Camp Clearwater Camp for Girls Water Camp. We have two interesting camps, Ogeechee Da Quay and Kuchiching, brother sister camps, boys and girls have been around for over a hundred years, well, the boys' side, and they go up to the Canadian boundary waters and their older campers are, uh, they have their canoes and they're gone for two or three weeks um, porting. They have their food and they're just going through the waters up, up north. So these are just kind of the amazing things, you know, that some of our older campers get to experience. And I just wish I could have done that as a kid. Absolutely. That's amazing. Um, you've mentioned the, the Chile camps up in uh, Estes Park a couple of times. A Thousand Summers has a connection to, to the Chile Foundation, right? Yeah. So the Chile, we were originally the John Austin Chile Foundation formed when uh, Jack Chile passed away in 89. A lot of his friends, families, members and uh, campers, former campers all got together to form uh, our organization uh, 32 years ago. So um, we're now a thousand summers and have since sent thousands of kids to camp. Um, so we're pretty, pretty proud of that accomplishment. That is an amazing accomplishment because like you, we've said this whole time that each one of those kids just, it changes their life. So sending thousands of them to camp is amazing. Um, how can, I'm going to ask this in a couple of different ways because I want to make sure that people have a chance to, to do what they want here. So what is the best way to donate to a thousand summers to help a child uh, who, who might be in need to get to camp this summer? I would say just go to our website, a thousandsummers.org. Once again, not the number all spelled out. Um, click on that red donate now button. That's the easiest way um, to give. There's a lot of different ways you can give if you're interested. Um, gifts of stock is also a, a good way to give. You can also leave a portion of your life insurance policy. If you don't feel like giving now, but you feel it's important, we could be a beneficiary. So if uh, giving cash now doesn't work for you, we do take a lot of alternate uh, gifts, uh, whatever works for you and, and your lifestyle. And again, that's a thousand summers.org, not.com.org. And it's all spelled out. Uh, what about somebody who, who, listens to this podcast and they love the idea, uh, but they, you know, they just don't have money right now and they're in a situation. Is there a way that they can maybe volunteer or do something like that? Maybe help out at one of the camps? 
You know, you'd have to contact the camp directly to volunteer for the camps, um, but you can volunteer for us. We usually look for volunteers in the fall, um, kind of as mentors for some of our potential campers. Uh, check us out um, online. There's a volunteer tab with our opportunities, usually in August, September, um, or when those opportunities come up. Um, you can sign up for our monthly newsletter. It's a, to your email, and you'll see those announcements come across or um see if you're interested, especially if you have an educational background, if you're a former teacher or um, Cub Scout leader or things of that nature. And of course we do full background checks for any of our volunteers because they are all minors. Sounds good. And the information about that is found where? On a thousandsummers.org. Thank you. <laughs> uh, we had to plug it one more time. Got to plug um, it one more time. Before, before we have uh, a little bit of fun, uh, do you have anything else that you want to mention about a thousand summers before we take a quick break and uh, come back with some, some rapid fire questions? You know um, I would say one more thing after this podcast, getting outside is not just for kids, the health benefits of getting outside is for adults too. So as much as I'm so happy to have you viewing this podcast this today, um, go outside Get rid of your phone, get rid of your computer, go take a walk, drag someone with you or a furry companion, or just go sit in a hammock or under a tree because the health benefits of being outside and being in nature, even if it's just in a backyard or a city park, um, is so very important and uh, people just don't do often enough. I second that wholeheartedly. Uh, I started hiking a couple of years ago and it has changed my life completely. And I think people get hung up on, on the word hike. I think people are like, oh my gosh, I've got to go climb a mountain. No, you don't. You have to go and walk outside or go, like you said, sit in a hammock outside. Just be outside and get away from technology, get away from, from um, you know, the crazy city world that you, that you live in and just relax and let yourself go. I did a, a great one this week, which was Sprague Lake up in Rocky Mountain National Park where most of the, most of the trails up in Rocky Mountain are actually really challenging. Sprague Lake is three quarters of a mile flat. You can walk around at any age, any, you know, I saw people walking with canes. I saw grandparents up there. I saw little kids or, you know, could barely walk and, but they were all just enjoying outside. So all you have to do is find a spot outside and just let yourself enjoy it. Exactly. Perfect. Perfectly said, Alyssa. Well, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we will do the always challenging buffet rapid fire questions. And we will actually ask the fat man a few questions as well. So stick around. We'll be right back. Welcome back to fat man, little trail, the podcast. We are talking with Alyssa street from a thousand summers.org a thousand summers.org. We're plugging the website because it is that time where we're trying to send a bunch of um, kids to camp that might not be able to otherwise. So check out a thousand summers.org. Um, but for right now it's time. Alyssa, are you ready for this? This is a ready? lot of pressure. All right. It's time for the buffet, the rapid fire questions. Here we go. If I had a drum roll, it would start right now. Perfect. Number one, would you rather go camping, glamping, or stay in a hotel? Camping. Camping. All right. I like it. Number two, do you prefer a long road trip or to fly to your destination? Long road trip. What's your favorite road trip snack? Cheetos. Nice. Mine's Gardetto's. 
Love them. <laughs> oh, this kind of works right into that. The number three question is what is your go-to snack while hiking? Um, I, I like Cheetos if I'm bringing a lunch mm-hmm. or um, I do like any kind of granola bar that I can just stick in my back pocket. Yeah. Nice. My favorite answer so far has been people keep talking about the summit Snickers where they get to the top of a mountain and they bring a Snickers with them. And I've started to add that. I don't go to the top of a mountain. I just eat a Snickers. That sounds good to me. I didn't even know that. (laughs) I know. See, my podcast is educational. Number four, what is the first thing you like to eat or drink after a really long hike? Water. I like it. I like it. We're, you know, we're in Colorado. You, it's hot, altitude sickness. And that then a true. beer. And then Check a beer. The water and then a beer. Yep. <laughs> I like it. Uh, number five, and this is the really hard one. If you could be anywhere in the world right now, would you rather be on a forest, a mountain, or at the beach? I think beach. I'm going to say beach because I'm heading to Hawaii next month. So beach is on my brain. <laughs> I like it. You got the beach brain. Uh, my favorite cheating answer on that one is I'd like to be on the side of a lake in a mount- or in a forest on a mountain. That's, that's, pretty good. that's pretty good too. That's just cheating though. All righty. Well, you made it through the buffet. Congratulations. Thank you. It's a challenge. It's tough every week. Um, and now it's time. We're going to go into our hike of the week segment where usually I will tell uh, the listeners about my favorite hike or one of my favorite hikes that I've been on. But because you're my guest, Melissa, it is all yours today. Well, I appreciate it. And I, I can't say I have a specific hike to provide you, but I have a network of trails. So I live in Jefferson County, Colorado, where I take advantage of Jefferson County open space parks and recreation areas. And if you haven't checked it out, it's not too far from Denver, just head a little bit up 285. And there are so many different parks for you to check out free to the public, family-friendly, a variety of different trails. So there's basic trails all the way up to, to, you know, more difficult trails, whatever you want. And each, each park has its own separate network of trails. So my husband and I and our dog go up every weekend and just pick a different park and different bunch of trails and just spend a couple hours out there. And they have all been so beautiful and you will not be disappointed. I can confer that these are some of the favorite places I go, um, especially during the winter, because I-70 with all the ski traffic is ridiculous. So I always go 285 and um, Legault Mountain right there in Conifer. Beautiful. Reynolds Park, which is down. um, I forget which road that is, but Reynolds Park is beautiful. My favorite park of all time is Staunton State Park. I go there way too often and absolutely love it but it's not free so that one's a state park you do have to pay admission for that one so yeah all right now the time the tables are turning it's time for the ask the fat man segment anything you want you can ask me now Alyssa. here we go okay so i have a couple of questions for you but first since i took it away from you what is your all-time favorite hike Ooh. I don't know about my all-time favorite. I can tell you like one of the most meaningful hikes I ever did was um, when I went to the top of Lion's Head in uh, Staunton State Park that we just talked about. Uh, when I started hiking, that was one of the first places I went. And I, I say it's where I fell in love with hiking. And I 
always saw a lion's head over there. I had no idea that you could go there. And like the first time I hiked in Staunton, I was trying to go to the falls and I thought I was going to die. I literally was like, oh my gosh, I am way out of shape and this is not going well. Like call the ambulance, call the medevac, whatever it is. And I barely made it. And I was, I'm like, I've never been exhausted my entire life. And I, I made it to, I think the pond, not even the falls which is like back then it was like probably nine miles, eight miles or something like that to go to the, the pond and back. And then like a ranger stopped me one day. He's like, you know, you can go to lion's head. So I found the trail and I went all the way up to the top of lion's head. And that was just for me going from somebody who could barely hike and was struggling with every step I took outdoors to now I'm on top of lion's head and I'm looking down on the park that made me fall in love with hiking. And that was very special to me. And I've done it one other time since then, um, just because it was just so special to be up there and kind of, it was a goal I didn't know I had that I had to complete, if that makes sense. Um, and the other one that was similar to that was when I went to the Grand Canyon and I actually went down into the Grand, I hiked down into the Grand Canyon to Ua Point. And that was like a year after I started hiking. And, and for me, being somebody who wasn't a hiker and who's not in the greatest shape ever, to go down and be like, I'm actually hiking in the Grand Canyon and to see how far I'd come from being a guy who never went into the outdoors, you know, in his adult life to somebody who is now like hiking down a quarter of the way into the Grand Canyon was, was just kind of one of those special monumentous things for me. That's, that's really cool. And that kind of ties into my next question on when you're outside and you're on the trail, how does being outside make you feel like for those people who you know don't go hiking like or understand how important camp is or not camp but being outside is and on a trail like is that how you relieve stress like how what does it make you feel like why is it so important for you sure um it's interesting. I, 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 my most popular blog I wrote is called screw it. I'm trying about the out of shape hikers, um, approach to hiking. And it, and I tie it into the, um, like five stages of grief, um, like acceptance and all that stuff. But I don't think that everybody is happy all the time when they hike. I think that's like a misconception, especially people who are just starting out that, yeah, you're, you're going to be tired. You're going to be sore. You're going to be sweaty. You're going to like some of those uphills are going to kick your butt and, and it's going to be exhausting. And then you're going to get to a spot. You're going to get to a moment where you look around and you're like, this is the most beautiful thing that I've ever seen. And it's a feeling that is completely unlike anything else that I've ever felt when I hit that spot. So sure, I'm miserable and I'm tired and I'm cranky and I'm, you know, complaining. And then I hit the spot and it's like a complete calm, like washes over me. And all of a sudden, like I could walk another 20 miles, you know, physically, I probably couldn't, but in my mind, anything is possible again. And it's because one, I proved to myself that I could get there Two, I saw something that not everyone in the world gets to see. And three, it's just like a, a sense of accomplishment and a sense of calm and a sense of peace that comes from nature, just being nature. You know, it's, it can be windy. It can be calm. It can be wet. It can be cold. It can be dry. It can be hot. It can be, you know, this one area can be a million different things. And every time you see it, it's completely different. It's, it's like, it's like if like a, a Monet painting could move. You know, that's what you see when you go out there. It's just nothing but beauty. And it, that's how I like, 
it's not every, you know, it's not every moment of the hike, but it's every hike. I get that feeling at some point, if that makes sense. I think people are worried, you know, especially people just starting out. And my blog is all about, and podcasts are, 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 you know, trying to encourage people to go out there and hike. And I don't want to lie to them. And I don't want to say that from the first step to the 17,000th step, I loved every second of this. Probably not going to happen from the, but when you look back at it, you don't remember any of those hard, challenging moments of the hike. You remember the amazing sights, the, the, you know, what the birds sounded like when they were, you know, when you were at a peak or, or what the views were like, or a, a tree blowing in the wind or something like that. You don't think about the bad. You only remember that good. And, and there's proof of that because I've gone back and redone some of these hikes and I'm like, this is such a great hike. It's amazing. And I'm like, <gasps> this is like 4,000 feet up. What else I do? You know, but, but it's just that I, I swear to you that you'll find that moment when you go hike whether it's at the beginning, the end, or, or somewhere around that hike, you'll find that moment of just like complete inner peace. And, and if you don't, maybe hiking's not for you. Maybe you're a, a mountain biker or something like that. But for me, that's, that's what every hike kind of makes me feel. Did I answer that? Yep. You did a really good job. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Good. Yes. And, and, you know, I did have a third question for you and you did kind of answer it earlier, but I do want to go back to like, what was your experience being outside as a kid? Did you do a lot of hiking and and biking and camping as a kid, or did you get into all this later in life? I got into it um, a little bit later in life. I did when we were, when I was a younger kid, we went camping and, and, but we would like rent a motor home and drive, you know, each year we went to a different you know, we went east one year, we went west one year, south one year. We lived, I grew up in, in Chicago. So, um, you know, we would go and see the Black Hills and, and see Mount Rushmore one year. And then the next year we go down to Florida and, and northern, northern um, like New York, like upstate New York or something like that one year. And, but we'd be camping in, in motorhomes and, and kind of doing is more of a glamping style. You know, it wasn't any, anything super rustic. The kids would sleep in a tent like next to the motorhome. So if it got too cold, we could go in the motorhome type of thing. Um, But then like I I played, you know, I I started playing sports and, and like the more sports we were playing, I had two brothers and, and the more sports we played, like the harder it was to get the family out to do camping trips and things like that. So I kind of moved into the sports realm and then didn't, didn't do much of the hiking after that. And, and I never really was like a dedicated hiker, um, until I, until about two years ago, until I turned 40. And then that's when I, I found the trails and fell in love with them. So, that's awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Those, those are my questions for you. You did a rock star job. <laughs> well, thank you. I, I mean, it's harder to answer them than to ask them. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> Well, Alyssa, thank you so much. And one more time for everybody at home, how is it that we can help uh, kids make it out to camp this year? So you have a lot of options. You can donate, you can volunteer, or in the easiest way is just spread the word about what we do. Throw people to our website. We're always looking for kids, volunteers, and donations. So check out our website one more time, a thousandsummers.org. And uh, we'd love to answer any questions. You can always contact me directly as well. And just remember, a thousand summers.org, it is spelled out. So A T H O U S A N D summers.org.org. I almost got it wrong. <laughs> We've only said it 50 times and I almost got it wrong. <laughs> no, yes. 
Well, thank you so much to, for joining me today, Alyssa. And, and everybody, check out uh, thousandsummers.org. It is a wonderful organization trying to help kids that might not be able to, to make it to camp and to have some of these great experiences that we all go through, um, you know, now as we, we travel into the outdoors. That is all the time that we have this week for the podcast. Thanks again to Alyssa. And I would like to uh remind everybody check out fatmanlittletrail.com as well if you're looking for any uh inspiration to get outdoors i hope to see you all on the trail again real soon and until then happy hiking